Good morning. I might have shared this story. When I was around five years old, the family went to Bluff Point State Park. We were swimming. We still don't know what I stepped on, but I came out of the water and blood was going everywhere. And now I needed to go get stitches. We went to the local Pequot, and uh, to this day I remember it was pretty crazy. My foot hurt. At five years old, you don't really know what stitches is. You just know, okay, that's kind of that's kind of big. It's the next level. I still remember the doctor at the end of the bed. I'm lying on the bed. The end of the bed was a doctor with huge bifocals, and just looked at me and said, "This isn't going to hurt a bit." And at that same moment, my father turning to him and saying, "Don't you ever lie to my son like that." Turned to me and went. This is going to hurt a lot. As a five-year-old, you don't usually hear those kinds of things from your father. So now I'm like, aren't we supposed to trust doctors, first of all? Now, if dad said it's going to hurt, and then I feel the needle, and dad was right, it was going to hurt a lot. The reason I say that is, uh, even in times of trouble, telling the truth is important. Um, timing actually matters. I don't think it would have been wise for my father to tell me the whole way on the way over there, hey, guess what, this is going to really hurt a lot. But in that moment, especially when the doctor said it's not going to hurt, the truth had to be told. Why tell this story? Well, I do, I love this series that we've been going through, and I, and I do like how almost at the beginning of every Sunday we recap the previous chapters, because we're really trying to incorporate in our, in our heads, this is all one conversation. This is one conversation. It is not kind of like a sermon every week by Jesus. This is one conversation. So remember, they're there. He has washed their feet, and that night he's going to tell them, take heart, I'm going away, but believe in God, believe in also in me. You don't have to be afraid. And then we talked about the vine and the and staying in, and my goal for you is to bear much fruit. And then, last week, we talked a lot about love. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you, and remain in that love. I want you to love people, okay? And so in one way, it's almost like a, a kumbaya moment for the disciples. Jesus is sitting there as he's talking to them, saying, listen, remain in my love. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Produce a lot of fruit. It's all about loving people. And then the next line is where we get to today where he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. What just happened? (laughs) What kind of news is this? I have said over and over sometimes that we as an assembly, maybe it's just me, need to be open and honest with each other and tell the truth. Um, But don't uh, take that as well as just as important as telling the truth is timing. Is timing. And you're going to see even in the passage today, that the Lord has kind of kept some of this information until now. Because timing actually matters when you tell the truth to someone. And so I want to encourage you again, just a quick little sidebar, practical application. If you need to say something hard or open up to someone, timing is important. (laughs) Timing is just as important as what you want to say. So let's read the passage here in John chapter 15 and verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, 
But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things that will but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else would do, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law, that they hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, when I shall send to you the, from the Father the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming. Whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things will, they will do to you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, again we thank you for uh, the intimacy of your own heart. Uh, Lord, that you were willing to open up and <clears throat> discuss anything with your disciples and with us. Lord, if we would just be willing to hear, if we would be willing to seek out your truth, thank you so much that you are so willing to give it and that you uh, would help us along the way. Lord, uh, we would want to be a people that love you and that are not of the world. And so, Lord, we pray that today your spirit would do a mighty work in illuminating uh, just how to definitely be the ones that represent sons of the king instead of sons of the world. And so, Lord, we pray these things, um, seeking your help, for we desperately need it. Thank you so much for your patience and long-suffering with us. Be honored and glorified during this time. Let this not be another Sunday, but a Sunday in which we grow in our faith, that you would increase it, that we would be strong and want to do your will. In your name, amen. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You were of the world. The world would, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of it, therefore the world hates you. Before we talk about hating, I want to get into some definitions of the world and hate. Um, it seems to be there could be a lot of, um, a wide range of the definitions of these verses. So let me narrow it down a little bit for us. When we talk about hate, I like this definition. Malicious or unjustifiable feelings towards others, whether towards the innocent or by mutual animosity. Unjustifiable malicious feelings towards others. Okay? So as we talk about hate, just remember when it says, if the world hates you, therefore it does, it's unjustifiable. There's really no cause for it. The definition of the world. Okay, I would like to give you kind of my own, what makes sense in my mind, because we talk a lot about in the Bible, do not be conformed to the world. Um, you have the physical world, you have this world systems, what does it mean? 
Okay, so I wanted to narrow that definition down a little bit too. I feel like if we define the world, it is a frame of mind of not giving God credit or recognizing your true place in this world. Okay, so remember this. The Bible would say the ruler of this world is Satan. It says that in John 14 and John 12. What was Satan's big thing? I will make myself like the Most High. I will make myself like the Most High. I will be godlike. I will not submit to God's authority. I am my own authority. Okay, so remember when he goes right to Adam and Eve, what did he say to them? If you do this, you will be like him. You will be like him. Able to have your own authority over what you do in your life. The world's standards is this. We are our own God. We are our own God. We get to choose what's right or wrong. And if we actually disagree in the world, well, it depends. Sometimes we go to war and sometimes we just go, well, that's how you think, that's how I think. But this is a major theme throughout the world, especially even now in our day of what they call postmodernism is, you know, you think what you think, I think what I think, and that, that will just work out because we are our own gods. We are not accountable to anyone but ourselves. And as long as what we do is good, and we also define what good is, then we're okay. Why is this definition coming in like this? Why do they hate the Lord Jesus so much? Why do they hate him? Well, if the world's whole position is that I will make myself God-like, I definitely don't want to hear what God has to say. Why do they hate him so? It says in John, Jesus said to them in John chapter 7, verse 6 and 7, Jesus said to them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify about it that its works are evil. Jesus just simply walking the planet was a testimony that they're doing something wrong. It's an interesting passage there in 7. It's bad hermeneutics that I kind of read it without a little context there. He's talking to his physical brothers, ones that are not necessarily followers of Christ. And in that, he's saying, the world can't hate you. Why? Because you're of the world. But it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. It's a testimony. Just him being on earth is kind of an accountability. We see this all the time in our own lives. Mariana was driving with me in the car the last week or something, and we're going down the highway, and everyone starts to brake. Why is everyone braking? Because there's a cop there. And she says something like, I can't stand when everyone slows down for the cop. I said, why do you think they slow down? I don't know. I said, you think if everyone is going 65, they slow down? Probably not. Just seeing the cop is really an accountability that you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. That's why we slow down. <laughs> There's usually one or two people in the right lane who are already doing like 55, already ticking people off, that don't slow down. <laughs> but seeing the cop is simply accountability, testifying you are going over the speed limit. So as soon as you see them, you hit the brakes. When the Lord Jesus walked this earth, 
and all the beautiful things he did, there was also those that just simply seeing him, hearing the way he talked, seeing how he loved people, it was absolutely convicting. And he was testifying that their works were evil. So they hated him for it. They hated him for it. In John chapter 17, as we get there, it says, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Not only did he testify of some of these things that were wrong, he's simply in his own category. He is not of the world, and we are to not be of this world. Remember, he's about to go away. He's about to die. And he's telling them, guys, I've shown you a different way to live these last three years. Do not be a part of the world. Do not be a part of its system where everyone thinks they're God and they get to make their own decisions. Doesn't work that way. He has taken us out of the world. So this goes into basic Christianity. Again, I love what Dan Burton said, that these chapters are basic Christianity, that you signed up for this when you became a believer. You signed up for the fact that you said, I no longer try to figure things out all on my own. I go to the Bible, and it tells me how to do life. That's what the Christian believes. That's what it means to not be part of the world. To not be part of the world simply means at times that we would give God credit and recognize our position. That we have a check-in with God. This is simply prayer. Lord, should I do this? Lord, is this healthy? Lord, what am I supposed to think as a believer of Russia going into Ukraine? Anyone have an opinion on it? Anyone ever go to the Lord first and say, what's the real opinion we should have? I didn't. Until I started reading some of this. Just simple, simple questions. You know, the world hates that stuff sometimes. I remember in high school, my friends wanted to go out uh, to the casino. Foxwood just came up. And uh, they asked me questions like, well, what's your curfew? I said, I don't know, man. I don't really have a curfew. They're like, what do you, like, like. Yeah, but like you're home, if you got to be home by 10, then we can kind of do whatever we want up till 10. So we were going to play ball first and maybe go to the casino and then maybe go somewhere else. And I said, guys, it's not like that. I said, I just got to tell my parents where I'm going. How do you think they responded to that? <laughs> what the heck are you talking about? Why do you have to check in? Can't they just trust you? You'll be home by 10 no matter what. It's just not like that. I just want to tell them where I'm going so they know where I am. Why? How oppressive is that? Well, one could look at it as oppressive, or one could look at it as my parents actually love me. Maybe I should just check in. Not being part of the world means we have a daily waking up of checking in. <laughs> hey, Lord, I'm about to go buy a car. Should I do it or not? It doesn't always have to be what we call super spiritual. <laughs> Jesus has told them right now, the world has hated me. They're going to hate you. But notice in verse 18, it says, if. That's kind of interesting because down in 19, 
It says, therefore, the world hates you. Well, I would interpret it like this. The world can hate us. And actually, the world could love us. Because in 19, it says the world would love its own. So wherever we're living, our lifestyle will probably be the test of whether they hate us or they love us. Whether or not we are living in the world or we are apart from the world. And so the practical application, just quickly, of this message is to simply ask, how does the world react to you? Does it really love you like crazy? Or do you rub it the wrong way? And that would probably be a good test whether you are of the world or not. Now, when we say these things like hate, it does not mean that every second we walk outside the door, the world will just give us sneers and cheers and want to beat us up. Nor does love mean they just accept everything we do. But there is a line here. There is a line here. Okay? And so practically speaking, if the world hated the Lord Jesus to the point of death, and he always stood for the truth, and he was always loving and always kind and full of compassion, and they put him on a cross because of it, well, if we are just like him and live it out, what happens to us? In fact, this is that sad news that Jesus is telling them as we get on here. This is when he starts, and this is why I said timing is important, he goes, you will be persecuted. And then it's almost, it seems almost quick. And, and when they kill you. you imagine being in the room that night? Okay, I just heard that you're going to, you love me, remain to produce fruit. Wow, you washed my feet. Okay, okay wait, what? They're definitely going to kill us? They're going to kill us? This is why they're in the upper room probably. Afraid after he dies. Jesus says they're going to kill you, right? I'm not saying we're going to be killed by the world, okay? But I do think we need to check in with the Lord just to make sure we're not of the world. I always love the story, I think I've shared it before, of Scott Dungerton always telling me about his motorcycle, and he just said it so casually, how he prayed all the time. Lord, do you want me to have a motorcycle or not? I really would like a motorcycle again. I don't know if I can afford it. And I'm kind of like, why are, you, why are you talking to the Lord about a bike? Don't you have more important things to pray about? I don't think Scott's prayer life is like that, though. I think Scott just actually talks to his Savior. <laughs> and he checks in. And if you ever hear the story of how he got his motorcycle, it's a pretty interesting story. Pretty interesting story how God gave him the motorcycle. Not only why did they hate him, and so if we are Christ-like, why would the world hate us? How did they hate him? They hated him without cause. They hated him without cause. The Lord is here quoting, I think it's Psalm 69, they hated me without reason. Freely, they hated him. Remember I said would hate unjustifiable feelings. They hated him just because they chose to hate him. And if you think about this, it is pretty amazing of his testimony. 
I could probably find a reason that might even be justifiable to hate a lot of you in the room. (laughs) Now, that sounds bad, right? But we all have things we've done that if I found out everything you did do, everything I've done, you could hate me. It wouldn't necessarily be completely justifiable, but you could make a good argument. I want you to think about Jesus Christ on earth, walking, everything he did for the people, healing, pre, and just, they, they, you really, you cannot think of a reason why people should have hated him. You just can't. You can't think of a reason why people should hate him, except maybe he exposed their own evil, but even that isn't justifiable, right? To this day, you will hear people talk bad about the Lord Jesus when they've never even opened the book. Unjustifiable. Unjustifiable. Why don't you like Jesus so much? And I've said this before to some of my uh, friends. Okay, well, what, what in the Bible did you not like? I don't read that book. Then why do you not like him? And where's your opinion coming from? It's unjustifiable. Jesus is telling them plainly, they have hated me with no reason. And if they've hated me with no reason, what do you think they're going to do to you? Turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 John. First John chapter 3. Verse 10, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is a message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteousness righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Why am I sharing this? It says in verse 13, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Do not marvel if the world hates you. Someone put it like this. It's interesting that the world is defined by those they hate, and the Christians are supposed to be uh, those uh, made manifest by those they love, how they love. Okay? They hate with no reason us. And our response is supposed to be to love the brethren. Love each other and to love them. So this is just a tough test, right? Just knowing you do this right, the world will probably hate you. And your response is supposed to be to love people. Love people. And this is exactly what happened to the Lord Jesus. He came to his own, and his own received him not. And they hated him without cause. And what did he do? He loved them. He's loved all of us in ways that we are not worthy to have him love us that way. 
so that we would not be a part of this world. He's warning them. They're going to hate you. And you are to love them. Another if. When we get back here, he says, in verse 20, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Okay, this is what I talk about. This is not a necessarily 100% of the time, all day, every day. It's kind of like in general, the world will hate you. Some actually biblical scholars would think different here. It's almost like they would think um, here where it says, if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. That that's kind of like they never kept my word, so they won't keep yours either. I tend not to think that way. I think this is true. Why do I say that? You'll be persecuted because they persecuted me. But those who will actually listen, those who actually did listen to me, who heard the gospel, who uh, followed after me, you can preach, and that same thing will happen to you. So think about this with these guys. Okay? Persecution is coming big time for them. This thing of Christianity. But what happened? Many people also got saved. Many people listened to these disciples as they preached. And the church grew and was multiplied and spread throughout the world, even though it cost them their lives. Right? So every single one of these guys was martyred for the faith. If they persecuted me, they're going to come kill you. But if they listen to me, there was people as Jesus walked around that said, you're the Messiah. Where else can we go? You have the words of life. Yes, what you're saying is true. I'm going to follow you. And so it's the same with the disciples. He's saying, listen, you're going to go out there. They're going to be persecuting you, harming you. But there will be those who say, I believe. Teach me this word. Teach me. Why is that important? Okay, because I do think this is why this is what's needed here in the church nowadays. As we go out and maybe we're persecuted and we don't fit into the world and they hate us, things like that. It is so encouraging when we are ministering and people do say, hey, teach me more. I would like to know more about that Bible. There is nothing greater than to hear, <coughs> excuse me, uh, someone stands up on a Sunday and goes, hey, I've been witnessing to this person and they got saved. And then to watch someone. Guys, this is why it's so important sometimes, for very lack of better words, that we share the gospel so that it can encourage us. We need to see people's lives changed as motivation because the world hates us, because they're going to be persecuting us. It is that that would motivate us to see a life that changed right here in front of our eyes. That we see someone who now stands up for the Lord, that now goes, wait a minute, I follow Jesus Christ. My life is different. I want to obey. We need that. And if you're not ministering to others, if you're not involved in the church ministries, sometimes you don't see that at all. And I'm telling you, because this world can be so oppressive, this is something that we need we got to see those who will obey, just like they obeyed Jesus Christ, and want to follow the book. It's encouraging. Remember that what John wrote in 1 John, 
I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I have no greater joy. So as times get crazy and the world persecutes us, this is why we actually get excited to go, wait a minute, what's going on with our missionaries over here? What's going on with that full-time worker over here? Wait, God's doing an amazing thing here. Hold on. I actually want to check that out. I want to hear about that. I need to hear about it. I need to hear what happened at that summer camp. I need to hear what just happened in Peru with Pablo and Sarah. I, I need to hear that so that I might be encouraged that God's still doing a mighty work and people are still following the word. Got to hear that. All right. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the world might be fulfilled, which is, the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. All right. How can the Bible say they would have no sin? Okay, this is not to say they were sinless. It's specific. In other words. Mankind, when Jesus Christ is here, has never had the opportunity to actually reject the Messiah. Because the Messiah hasn't come yet. But when the Messiah came, Jesus Christ, now he is a man in front of them, and they rejected him. Now, now you're accountable for that sin. David, Abraham, the Jewish people before that, they never rejected the Messiah face to face. Because the Messiah wasn't there yet. I think that's all this passage is saying. Okay? But let's see how they are guilty on both accounts. Because, again, as we go back and forth kind of here, uh, we would like to be those with the Lord Jesus. I hope we're not like those in the world. Let's make sure we're not guilty of the two things that they are guilty of. They are guilty of rejecting His words and His works. Okay, so that's what it says in 22 and 24. They are also guilty that he who hates me hates my father also. There is deep theology here and the idea of this. If you're a Jewish person, you can sit there and say, well, I reject Jesus, but I still follow Jehovah. Jesus is making it very clear that is impossible. It is impossible to follow Jehovah and reject me. It is impossible to say you love God the Father and hate His Son. The line has been drawn. God in the flesh has now come to earth. And if you say you love Jehovah and not me, you're wrong. It's impossible. And the fact that you say you hate me, you are now hating Jehovah as well. That's what he's saying to the religious leaders at this time. This is the line he's drawing and he's got every right to do so. Okay? And so again... It's interesting in our own faith how we do that sometimes of thinking there's different. Jesus, God, the Father, Holy Spirit are one. <laughs> we cannot pick and choose the parts of the Godhead we like and the parts of the Godhead we don't like. 
They're one. Okay, so his word, his word, they have heard his word. We have his written word. Hence, we are now accountable. When Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. When Jesus told these guys, no one comes to the Father except through me. All these, anything he said, whoever heard it is now accountable. They have heard from God himself. Have you ever been into a business transaction where you didn't really read the contract, but you checked off that little box on the end that said you did? And when something in the business contract happened that you didn't like, you lost money or benefits, you say, I didn't know about it. And yet it was written exactly what would happen, and then you signed your name off on it. These guys are without excuse. They are completely without excuse for what God has preached and they have rejected. And so for us, I will have to tell you, read that Bible. Enjoy it. Immerse yourself in it. And when you read, you are accountable to what God has told you. (laughs) There's hard passages Hard passages. Sometimes we misinterpret them. That's okay. I'll tell you quickly. There is a uh, verse. I believe it is in. Um, whew, I want to say Galatians. I don't know, but basically it says that we should have a gentle spirit, not talking a lot. I'm paraphrasing. And that was that was not my personality <laughs> at age 19. <laughs> and that verse, and I said, oh shoot, I I can't be myself. To be a Christian means I can't be myself because <laughs> I have to live a life of gentleness and, and kind of quiet. And I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> but I would tell you, I was held accountable to it because I read it and said, if I'm a believer and I just read this, how does this practically work out? Now, this is where it also comes into play. I asked other people about the verse and I think I can still be a little loud at times. It's okay. Um, but there seems to be this gap sometimes of we reading something difficult in Scripture and you just think, because I don't understand it, I'm not accountable to it. That's just not true. It's just not true. And, by the way, the Lord has given you church and people in the church and He's given in these times, the days and age, all these such things of commentary and things like that. We are held accountable. But outside of all of that, All of that, do we have the faith to when we read something hard in Scripture and we with our heart say, with our heart say, Lord, I'm willing to do with the verse or the chapter, whatever you say to do, I'm willing to do it, I just don't know it. Do we have the faith that God will actually explain it to us? I think He will. I think you can put that back on His shoulders. Lord, this is a hard passage and I need you to tell me how to apply it. I think you can do that. But a lot of times we don't do that because we're really not ready yet to actually apply it. Because we read one or two things that we were like, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. And this goes back to our definition a little bit of being in the world or not being in the world. Are we trying to be God-like ourselves 
and say, I can make the best choice, or are we saying, God, tell me how to live? His works, all the things the Lord Jesus performed, no one did, and we've talked about this hundreds of times, but I still, it's one of my favorite things to ponder, that, man, an, an angry crowd that they saw, the, some of these guys, they saw Lazarus raised from the dead. And their thought process was, let's kill Lazarus too. They saw lame get up. They saw blind see. And instead of, instead of it, maybe them going, wait a minute, let's slow down here. Who else has done this stuff? It made them go further in their hatred. Guys, I would say that we can be held accountable by His works. On a lot of practical different levels. One, He saved you. So, that's an amazing... Enjoy your salvation. Enjoy it. Sit in it. Meditate in it. You were a sinner on the way to hell and He saved you. And you didn't do anything for it. We should meditate on that work. But I'll tell you this too. Do you know anyone in your own personal life that had a drug problem or an alcohol problem and God saved them out of it? I do. Have you ever heard of someone needing money? Lots of money. And the Lord provided it. I do. Have you ever talked to a couple who either separated was about to get a divorce, maybe even got divorced. And God restored the marriage. I do. Have you ever heard of shy people? Can barely talk to anyone. Preach on a Sunday. Have you ever seen people that would want nothing less then anyone visit them and being completely hospita- uh, hospitable and having tons of people over for dinner. Completely out of their comfort zone for the Lord. I have. Why do I say that? It's because sometimes I think that we are a people that don't give God credit enough and that we quickly Say, God can't fix that. God can't do that. And we have actually seen it happen in our own lives with other people. And we still won't even trust the works that we've seen Him do in our lifetime. You're not alone. You're like a lot of the other people in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you, I've heard stories, crazy stories, of God absolutely changing people's lives. To where all you could do is give God credit. And so, I do believe there is nothing impossible for God. I do believe in the craziest situations, in the darkest situations, He has power to bring people out of them. I do believe it. I have to. I have to. The question is simple today. Are we of the world or are we not?
Are we willing to take all that it means to be a follower of Christ? Does it bother us when people hate Him without cause? Are we those who don't want to be accountable to His Word or the works that we've seen? We've always said this life is a one of the best lives ever, the Christian walk. If you want some excitement, follow the Lord. These disciples are about to go through things that not many people have gone through. They're about to lose their loved master. They're about to see him rise from the dead, then ascend back up into heaven. <laughs> And then they're going to be scattered like sheep. But they're also going to see the church born. What a ride. And that ride is really for any of us who put our complete faith and trust in Him. Let's pray. We have prayer time. Who's closing? There you go. Lord Jesus Christ, uh, My words seem inadequate uh, talking to the Most High, but um, I am uh, sorry. We're sorry that the world hated you for no reason. I'm sorry that you had to experience that, that you still do. That you, the all-powerful, all-loving one who's done nothing but prove his love, are still rejected by the world. Hating you without cause. Again, don't know uh, how to pray. But we would just say we're sorry. Sorry that us humans mess up so much. And Lord, we as your children, we just want to tell you that we love you. That no one should hate you. That you are altogether lovely. That you have said words that are eternal, that bring life. You have done amazing works and continue to do them. And we want to give you the credit for it. Thank you for letting us be a part of your family. In your name, amen.